0: Crew, this is Mark Hadamaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Let's discuss warrior sleep. Actually, it's sleep for anybody, but uh, specifically, I figure if you're listening to this, likely you're a warrior. All right, I'm going to go ahead and say something that I doubt you are going to disagree with. Sleep might be one of the most important aspects of a warrior's development. All right, no argument there, I wager. Now, without getting to the scientific weeds yet, practically all, all recovery, physical, psychological, emotional, cognitive, and some warrior traditions would add the spiritual component here as well. Almost all this recovery occurs while we are dead to the waking world. Our muscular micro tears are repaired, leading to greater waking robustness while we sleep. We contextualize and store memories while we sleep. We work through emotional ups and downs while we sleep, which is often why yesterday's big deal can look a little bit less biggish after a good night's sleep. Now we could continue on with the astonishing benefits of sleep and its uh, compensatory effect on good health, but let's leave it with one final consideration. Uh, let's have you stop training for five days, but continue to sleep. So stop training, no, no PT whatsoever, but continue to get your night nice sleep. If we then pitch a stressor at you, likely you will still fare close to your training base rate. Right? Now, let's take you in tip-top condition and deprive you of sleep for 72 hours. Your performance plummets to levels far below that of the untrained but well-tested. I mean, that's the whole point of uh, you know Navy SEALs' Hell, Hell Week and such. We need sleep. So sleep is not just relaxing it is a high performance treasure trove okay Now again I wager we all agree with sleep is super important to training right But how many of us, uh, we hard-charging, high-speed, low-drag, rangers all the way, training cadre, put that much actual emphasis on getting the sleep game right? I mean, there's no worry, there's no fingers wagging here, okay? Sleep is so natural to the human animal, like an appetite, one does not need to remind oneself with some handy-dandy app of, uh, oh, I should probably get some sleep. But since this repair-recovery super tool is so useful, are there stumbling blocks we might be throwing on the path that hamstring our waking hours recovery? Likely. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about planesmen, pioneers, strongmen, old-time strongmen, of course, and astronauts. And we'll quickly dispense with the first two, and then move on to see what those with the most hazardous sleep can teach us about terrestrial sleep. Now, this is from a quote from a Pioneer's Journal. Ah! This mountain air, there's nothing like it for a sleep tonic, unquote. Okay, now that sentiment is expressed with such regularity that they become almost invisible to the inveterate reader of such historical accounts. But we should not ignore the lesson that these single lines express. Energy expelling pioneer life coupled with pure mountain air and all that noise. Uh, Our noted strong men of yore, strong men and women, through the ages have also finger-wagged that we mere mortals with, uh, quote, such as blessings of the remarkable slumberous period each night, unquote. And uh, we hear that and think, yeah, but then uh, we lesser ones nod our heads and go, you know, sleep's important. And then we inquire about dumbbell poundage and, like, daytime contributions to strength. Now, let's spend most of our time with our astronauts, a cadre for whom poor sleep habits can mean more than a cranky morning. Okay, we're going to start discussing what sleeping in microgravity can tell us about earthly sleep problems. Now, sleep is easiest when we are tired and or feel secure. On earth, putting in true effort, providing as much security, both in the internal and external environments as we can, are of optimum value. Many so-called sleep disorders are a function of the body not being used in real effort and or generating excess insecurity, all right? So excess insecurity, not the real world woes, but if you thinking about, is Carol had to get me and all these other petty things, uh, we can sometimes let those get in our way when we're just really could expel that and get rid of the extraneous BS. Now many of us are fortunate victims of wallowing in luxury and simply do not expel enough energy to make for truly restful sleep. Benjamin Franklin's witticism, quote, fatigue is the best pillow, unquote, holds true for many sleep problems. Now let's look at an astronaut sleeping for a moment before we regale anyone with our poor night's sleep stories ever again. See astronauts face not having the usual comforting pressures of lying down. Many compensate with straps across foreheads and or their knees literally holding them into a familiar sleep posture. But Sleeping in microgravity also carries with it the dangers of suffocation. The sleeping astronaut must position themselves over a continuous flow of air so that the carbon dioxide they exhale does not accumulate around the mouth and nose and suffocate them. See, on Earth, breezes and convection currents ensure a continuous flow of air. In, in micro Gs, warm air is no longer lighter than cold air and will not rise via convection. One reason a hot room with no breeze feels stuffy to us is because the temperature is equalized and the hot expelled carbon dioxide is no longer responding to convection as the temperature of the incoming and outgoing gases are equalized. The stuffiness is a response to an accumulation of CO2. Us being uncomfy in a stuffy room is the body signaling us to move out of a CO2 rich bubble that is starving us. So even on a hot stuffy night we have it far better than astronauts and we, at least we have an explanation for why stuffy often feels uncomfy. The marvelously adapted human animal responds to the CO2 rich, uncomfy bubble and signals a shift in position. But, now ponder this some of us use imbibed so called sleeping aids to mimic the daily work we did not do while we were awake. Now, these aids make us both lethargic and slow to respond to standard body cues such as the CO2 rich bubbles we just mentioned. We will, sh- we will shift eventually, but it can take a little longer, leading to a cascade of feeling less rested than you would assume because you've imbibed false fatigue and resided in a series of CO2-rich bubbles longer than your body would under normal conditions, thus ch- depriving yourself of the habitual shifts to oxygen-saturated rest points. Okay? This just is a domino effect occurring all night long. You say, Mark, I don't use any sleep medications, and I still sleep for shit. Well, maybe, just maybe it's a weight issue. If we are overweight, and keep in mind, the science says even by a mere 10 pounds, if we are overweight, we have limited positions in which we are comfortable sleeping and can spend longer in CO2-saturated pockets than the body would at lesser weight. If we are overweight, the reclining position alters the axis of G-forces from the upright to the anterior-posterior plane, making an already-taxed diaphragm work harder. That is, if we are heavy and breathe poorly during the day in an upright position, we face eight hours or more of shallow, labored breathing in a more diaphragmatic stress position at night and also likely too long in CO2 pockets, thusly a so-called restful evening of overworked diaphragm and a series of prolonged CO2 bubbles. Now, if we add having imbibed false fatigue substances, we compound the diminishing utility of our recovery phase. If we also lack the daytime habit of deep diaphragmatic breathing and a strong core, these all further exacerbate the sleep problems. You know, Shallow plus labor plus constricted positions equals not ideal for rejuvenation. You will carry that into the day to day. I mean, the old time strong men and such, they they were really big on muscle you never see. I mean, the, the series of exercises they do for the internal musculature or the diaphragm and such, it's just simply remarkable, and we could go into that into great detail uh, on our on our unleaded uh, stability portion of the program. There's a six-tiered series there, but stability really covers this to a large degree. Now sleep is our recovery period from the day's work slash stressors. We robustify and antifragilize during this time. If we have poor daytime habits, we telescope these into the nighttime recovery and exacerbate this vicious loop. Now, let's uh, combine the wisdom of Mr. Franklin and our old-time strength athletes, our pioneer with his ode to the tonic of mountain air, and with that wisdom of our astronauts, to improve this valuable luxury and remarkable recovery period. In summary, there's a few suggestions. One, sleep outside, with windows open, or with a fan, particularly in hot environments. All right, Tax the muscular system daily. Also, secure your sleep environment and purge extraneous insecurities with a cognitive-slash-spiritual routine of choice. Uh, the Comanche tradition has a ritual called Hagwuito that I found remarkable for relaxation. Now, we cover that in great detail in our Suaketu program. I'll provide a, a link in the, in the uh, little show notes here at the end of this if you want more information about that. Uh, I would also suggest to purge blue light. I mean, phone screens definitely forced all melanin production, and so in other words, we're just up longer, right? also get weight under control so that you can roll comfortably into numerous sleep postures and in general avoid sleep aids sleeping pills and all the other so-called sleep therapies are likely masking the symptoms of g-force entropy see we don't sedate our astronauts we provide solutions and much of this correction is in our very own hands